if you truly believe that you have value to add, I would still go for it because you never know. And even if they say no or if they don't respond, that's totally fine. Like you can ask them a year later when you've built up your community and try again. Welcome to Socialette. I'm your host, Steph Taylor. As a launch strategist and digital marketer, I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way while building a seven-figure online business. If you're an overwhelmed business owner struggling to scale while also keeping your clients happy, this podcast is for you. Join me as I share actionable advice for creating an online business that feels good and brings you so much joy. Are you on the list to get my daily biz boosters? Every day, I'll send you a bite-sized prompt that is designed to help you grow your business in a more intentional way. Sign up at stephtaylor.co slash dbb or at the link in the show notes. Hey, welcome back to Social Let. This is episode 538. One of the common challenges that most business owners deal with these days is growing your audience without sinking lots of money into paid ads. Because let's face it, like algorithms on social media, they don't really show our content to new people like they used to. And that's a challenge for businesses who don't have the budget to invest in paid ads or PR or anything like that. So today I'm chatting to Danielle Weeb, who is the founder of Business Babes Collective. It's a global community that she built from scratch using collaborations and partnerships. And today we're talking about how she built that global community from scratch. We're talking about the steps that you can take to identify potential partnerships and reach out to them. We're talking about how you can build structure and systems around this whole process of identifying partnerships, pitching them, and following up. Uh, We're talking about what to offer in a collaboration or partnership because sometimes when you are just starting out, it can be a real mindset block of like, I don't know what I have to offer. I don't have an audience. I'm not very well established. Like, Why would anybody want to partner with me? So we're talking a little bit about what you can offer in that collaboration or partnership And then lastly, we're talking about how to ensure those collaborations deliver maximum value to both parties. Now, Danielle has more than 10 years of experience in multiple different industries, and her sweet spot is teaching women to create strategic and profitable collaborations, as well as building that strong foundation and those systems to scale their businesses without having to work around the clock. I'm so excited to bring her onto the show today. Let's jump in. Danielle, welcome to Socialette. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Steph. I'm so excited to be here. Let's let's jump straight in and start with a pretty big question. Like you've been able to build quite a successful global community. I'd love to know how did you do this? Really, really simple question, right? Uh, But I'd love to know, like, tell us a little bit about the journey. Yeah. So I would say just from kind of a broad perspective, um, the big thing that I would say helped me grow is community, collaborations, partnerships, working with other people, really. And I think that, you know, when it comes to building a business and I've been kind of in the entrepreneurial space for around 10 years and kind of started um, with working for my mom's business, which was in, uh, international sales for high end electronics, which was like a whole crazy industry on its own. 
And I also worked for my sister's business, which was in uh, wedding planning and events, and then started my own business in kind of the more social media, digital marketing. And so, you know, had all this kind of experience in different industries, but really I was always looking for community. Like I was always searching for other people like me who wanted to connect and wanted to collaborate. And at the time in my local city in Vancouver, Canada, I wasn't really finding that. Like I would go to these networking events and I was usually the youngest one there. I was one of the only women in the room. And so quickly I realized like, okay, I don't think a community like what I'm searching for exists yet. So I'm kind of going to have to create it myself, but I know there's probably other people like me out there. So I'm going to try to go and find them. And so that was really what sparked the inspiration of hosting my very first event. But honestly, I had no idea that that would be the catalyst to build the business that I now have today, which like you said, global community um, before you know the pandemic, we had global chapters all across North America. And so um yeah it it really happened really organically because it was something that i wanted and needed and then i found out you know hundreds of thousands of other women also wanted and needed this community as well it sounds you know like how how novel like we're solving a problem and that's how you managed to grow like it's amazing like you are the classic story of somebody who's solving that problem and yeah, people needed it. I love that. What do you think has been like the key other than solving a really clear problem? Like what has been the key to building that successful community? Because we've seen, particularly in recent years, we've seen a lot of other attempts at building communities, especially like in the female entrepreneurial space. There's so many. What's been the thing that made yours work? I think the biggest thing that people forget about when they think about community is they just sort of think of it as this broad word of community. And it's kind of this buzzword, right, that we talk about. But really, community starts with relationships and it's relationships with one other person first. And so I think really when we understand that business is not built by ourselves, we do need other people. We need community. We need support. Um, and we can't just do it on our own. I mean, we can, but it's going to be limited at some point. Right. And then at, at the end of the day, like, when it comes to collaborating with other people, working with other people, if we have this sort of collaborative mindset and this abundance mindset of there's more than enough for us all. And so instead of looking at each other as competition or, you know, oh, I don't want to work with that person because she's similar in niche to me or what have you, then we're just limiting our growth. And so I think I've always had that kind of abundance mentality of let's work together. Let's see if we can create mutually beneficial partnerships and connections that benefit both parties really. And then, you know, growth is exponential at that point. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned a little bit at the start there that you used partnerships to grow your community. I'd love to know, like, how have you used them and how has that changed over the life of the community? Like when you first started using them versus the kinds of partnerships that you're in now? That's a really great question. So when we started hosting our events, I did not have, like, I started with absolutely no connections at all. I started with 
little to no money. Like I didn't invest any of my own money. I didn't have this, like, even when people say like, Hey, I started with, you know, $5,000 that I invest in my business. I'm like, I just kind of, you know, maybe the first event I spent like a hundred dollars or something like that, but it really started with nothing. And so I thought to myself, okay, how can I partner with other business owners that have value to offer? So let's say, for example, a catering company and a venue and other people that might want to showcase their own businesses. And how can we partner together and host this event, bring other people together, and we can all benefit from this experience. And so that was really how it started. It started very small. I think our first event was like 10 people or something. I don't even remember. And then it really grew from there. And then so the partnerships, you know, snowballed from there. So at at the point when I was starting, I just, I feel like I just had this sort of mindset of, I'm just going to ask people, like, I'm just going to ask people for coffee. I'm going to ask to connect with people and I'm just going to kind of see where it goes. And so it was really building one-to-one relationships. And over time, it really paid off because all of these connections and relationships that I made back, you know, when I started seven and a half years ago are still connections that I'm you know, relationships that I'm in today. And obviously, like you said, those have evolved and grown, but it really started with, okay, how do we benefit each other? Started with the event side of things. And now because of course with COVID, everything shifted. And so our entire business, we lost 80% of our revenue overnight because events were not happening happening anymore, right? And so we really had to pivot and figure out, okay, where where are we going to go from here? How can we still serve our community in a way that, you know, doesn't involve in-person events. And so we actually tried a few different things before we really understood what our community wanted. And from there, it's really been, okay, how can we now use these partnerships and these collaborations and these relationships to grow online? So not just growing our in-person events and hosting events, which is still a part of what we do, but how can we actually expand even further and start partnering and collaborating with people online? And of course, that opens up this whole other world of possibilities. And um, at the end of 2020 is when I started the podcast. And so that's opened up a whole bunch of opportunities as well for our community And really, it's figuring out, okay, how can I connect with people who have like-minded communities and also skill sets that can complement my community? And how can we come together and benefit each other's communities and grow from there? And so that's kind of, yeah, that's sort of where it started with just like collaborating on actual in-person events. And now it's a lot more online collaborations, partnerships with you know, brands, businesses, other people that have their own communities. And so it's kind of grown from there. And some of them are straight collaborations, like value for value, and others are paid partnerships and things like that. So there's lots of, I think collaborations and partnerships is such a huge topic. So it's really hard to kind of like sum it up in one sentence or one guy let's let's break it down then so like walk me through like what are some of those different types so you mentioned value for value paid partnerships are there any other kinds of collaborations that you would or collaborations and partnerships that you would consider in a business well technically collaboration is basically any time you are working with someone else 
towards a a common goal, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever you're working with someone else, it is a collaboration. And so, you know, what we're doing right now, like I'm on your podcast right now, this is a collaboration, right? Um, Which is so cool. And so, and you're going to be featured on my podcast, which is so fun. So that's a way that we are collaborating together, bringing each other's audiences and communities value, and we're both benefiting from this experience. And so think of that in any different you know, platform that could be a blog. Like if you have a blog that you're posting on, maybe it's guest blogging on someone else's and vice versa. It could be via social media. You know, you see collaboration reels all the time when people do reels together. Um, it could be, I really like this one actually is like an email list swap. So for example, you know, you're promoting someone else's business on your email list and they're doing the same for theirs. Uh, or maybe you are promoting each other's products or services that way. It could be in like a giveaway format. There's just like, there's endless opportunities, which is like value for value. And then when it comes to kind of, if we take a step further and we talk about the paid, like if money is involved, for example. Mm-hmm. So let's say, there's a brand who really wants to get in front of your audience, there could be a paid collaboration that way. Um, and so that would be, you know, you'd want to have certain structures in place and boundaries. And of course, you know, contracts and things like that. So that's when collaborations moves into partnerships and it gets a little bit more complicated because money is involved, right? Anytime money is involved, it gets a little more complicated, but it can be super powerful and super valuable for everyone. And the biggest thing that I always try to share with people is the people that you're working with and collaborating with, like make sure that you share values and make sure that it actually makes sense. Because I think a lot of people get really excited about the idea of working with other people, especially if they have a big audience or, you know, a brand partnership where it's like, oh, this is going to be, you know, they're going to give me X amount of money to promote them. But if it's not, if it, if the, collaboration doesn't make sense or the partnership doesn't make sense long term it's not going to be like it's it's not going to turn out well and also your community trusts you and so i think it's really important to keep that trust and to really make sure that the people that you're bringing on in front of your community and then also the brands that you're supporting you want to make sure that that is in line with your own values so that's something that i always like to mention too um because i think it can get really tempting to want to just go after all these opportunities. But if it's not the right opportunity, then it's not going to work out in your favor. Yes, I love that. And it's like, you know, it it would make no sense for me, for example, to pay Kylie Jenner to promote this podcast, right? right? Because, yeah, she's going to reach all these hundreds of thousands or millions of people, but they're not the right people. Uh, And I think there's, we often forget about that. We're like, oh yeah, if I just partner with as many people as possible, get in front of as many eyeballs as possible, then it'll be successful. But there's actually, yeah, there's that those steps involved in identifying if it's the right partnership or not. And I'm so I'd love to hear it from you. Like what is that process that you go through when you're identifying potential partnerships? Yeah, I really love this question. So um you kind of have to be a little bit of a detective. <laughs> And really, um, yeah, so I would say first and foremost, if you want to connect with someone, if you want to partner with someone, 
do your research. So if they have a certain platform where they're, they're usually on, whether that be social media, some, some social media platform, if they have their own YouTube channel or podcast or blog, whatever that might be, you know, make sure you're actually tuning into that. So watch their videos, read their blog posts, listen to their podcast, follow them on social media, really make sure that you are first and foremost supporting them. And then secondarily, you know, look at the things that they are sharing about. Does that align with your business? Does it align with what you share? Are they sharing things that are super contradictory to what how you do business, right? So it really comes down to, it doesn't, you don't have to have the exact same values and the exact same beliefs. Of course not. But does it make sense for you to work with them? And do you feel like there's a way that you can complement what they do? So that's where it's really important to think about, okay, I want to partner with this person. And that's, so that's the first step. Do you actually want to partner with someone, this person? Do you know, like, and trust them based off of the content that you've consumed? And then the second question is, can you add value to them or their community? So that's the second question. And really be honest with yourself, because if you realize like, I don't know, I don't think I can really add value, then maybe wait because you might not see how you can add value now, but maybe in the future you can. So that's where it gets a little bit complicated in like, are you just thinking you can't add value because you have imposter syndrome and you don't think you're good enough. That's one thing. And I think that, you know, it doesn't matter if they have, you know, millions of followers and you've just started. If you truly believe that you have value to add, I would still go for it because you never know. And even if they say no, or if they don't respond, that's totally fine. Like you can ask them a year later when you've built up your community and try again. So, you know, this has happened to me over and over within my community where I've really wanted to have specific speakers or um, I pitched people and they've either not responded or said no. And I've just kept them in mind and I've reached out again and again. And, you know, I always give this example, this one um, person in my local city and she was very well known in the industry. I really wanted to have her speak at an event. And I asked her, I think it was like seven times before she actually said yes. And she always left the door, left the door open, right? But it was like a, a kind of like a kind, like not right now type thing. And then finally she said yes. And um she she even said to me, she's like, yeah, thanks, thanks for not giving up on me. Cause like I'm so glad that this worked out. And so I always say like be pleasantly persistent. Um, but also, you know, realize that it's okay to, to get a no, it's okay to be ignored. Like that happens and not to be offended by that, but keep that person in mind and you never know where that can go. Um, but then second thing on that is don't just rely on that one collaboration, like have your list. Um, I have a spreadsheet of all the people that I would love to connect with, that I would love to collaborate with. And I'm I'm always adding people to that list and always continuing to build those relationships. And we'll touch on that in a second. But I'm I'm really curious, like coming back to where you were talking about, you know, that imposter syndrome of, oh, I don't have anything to offer. Why would they want to collaborate with me? Like that is yeah. something I I feel that. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Yes. But there's always like, oh, like there's no point pitching this collaboration. They wouldn't want to. When you are maybe just starting out and you do have that small audience, what are some things that you could maybe offer when you don't have an audience that you can offer? 
Yeah, such a great question. So I would think of if you're a service provider, for example, what do you really specialize in that could add value to that person? So, you know, there's people that have reached out to me. There was this one woman who reached out to me and she is a uh, virtual assistant and she really wanted to connect with me, partner with me. And she was looking to potentially have access to my community because obviously I have a community full of entrepreneurs. So what she did is she emailed me and she said, Hey, Danielle, I just wanted to offer you two hours free of my services. This is what I can do for you. This is how I can serve you. Um, I would love to, and she says, no strings attached. I would just love to support you and support your community. I was like, Yes, like thank you. And so uh, she ended up doing a couple hours of work and she was amazing. So we actually ended up hiring her on um, to do a project because we uh, had started the podcast, but at the time didn't have anyone editing show notes and putting them up on our blog. So we actually did, she, we outsourced to her to, to do all of that, which was amazing. And I have now referred her on to like so many other people in my community because she was just so willing to just step up step up and say, Hey, this is what I want to offer. And she had no like big ask or anything like that. It was just basically like, can I serve you? And I was like, heck yes, you can. And um, it's turned into a relationship. And so think about that. Like, what do you have to offer? What are some skill sets maybe that you have that you can offer someone else? And just know that, yeah, there's no strings attached. And that could lead into a relationship and you never know where that relationship can lead you. And so, you know, I, I know like a lot of people say, you know, make sure you're charging your worth and don't do things for free. But I sometimes want to push back on that a little bit because if you are just starting out, like I remember doing so many things for free. Um, so many speaking engagements where I would, I would drive myself, I would pay my own gas, I would pay my own parking and I would speak at events for free. And that was just to build connections and build relationships. And, uh, I think there is something to say of creating those relationships, creating those partnerships that make sense. And sometimes, you know, bringing value, even if you're not getting paid for it, because you have no idea what doors that can open for you in the future. So that's what I would say to that. Oh. Absolutely. Like I, I agree with that so much. I think back a couple of years now. Um, I've, I've paid to fly myself from Australia to Florida, which is like, and, and because it was, I went for like the cheapest flight. It took me 36 hours to get there so that I could speak for five minutes at an event just so I could be in that room and network with those people and reach those people. Yes. And. You know, that culminated in me speaking for somebody else's virtual event who I met at that conference three years ago, four years ago. I spoke for his event like two weeks ago. So it's like, you don't know what that, that time that you are investing in that free stuff that you are investing now could lead to even further down the track. So I, I'm a big believer in that as well. Obviously, know, know the fine line, like know when you exactly deserve, when you know, not what you deserve to charge because we all deserve to charge, but know when you, uh, know when you are not know know when you need to be charging for something versus yeah. when you're doing something for free in return for getting something else that you need um, exactly yeah and I love those that. boundaries I think too like I think if you have proper boundaries in place I think the biggest reason why what ends up happening if we um, are doing like let's say for example because I'm very strategic with the things that I will 
do for free and then the things that I I won't because I have really strong boundaries around my time and all of that. And, you know, obviously too, like I'm a new mom now. So it's like that extra level of, you know, I don't have much time. So if I'm going to spend time doing something, I want it to matter and I want it to, you know, and so having those values that you have and what I find helps a lot too is having almost like a list that you can go through of if you're wanting to be a part of an opportunity or you're wanting to figure out, is this a good opportunity? Is it not? And going through that list of things, like, does this align with my values? Is this something that is going to bring me value? Is this something that, you know, um, is beneficial, you know, to me, to my family, to the broader world, right? All of those things. So have kind of those list of things that you go through when you're deciding on whether or not to say yes to an opportunity and then have those boundaries in place so that I think the biggest thing, because a lot of people that I've talked to have said, you know, they have a bad taste in their mouth from collaborations because they feel like they got taken advantage of. And I know that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think the biggest thing with that to make sure that doesn't happen is to have those boundaries of like, this is what I'm going to do, but this is what I'm not going to do. Like, for example, if that, for you know, um, woman who offered to give me two hours, if I was like, hey, could you give me like two more free hours? And, you know, if she were to just be like, yeah, sure. You know, like, and obviously I would never ask her for that. But, you know, there could be people who would push those boundaries. And so if you have those strong boundaries in place, that's when you can go into partnerships and go into collaborations with confidence because you know where your boundaries lie and you know that those people are not going, you're not going to let those people cross your boundaries, if that makes sense. Yeah, actually, some of, one of the most useful things that I learned probably a couple of years ago was if you're feeling resentful about something, that's a sign that you need to put a boundary in place. So if you're feeling resentful because you're giving that client that or giving somebody an extra two hours of your time for free, you probably should have set a boundary around that. Exactly. Exactly. Totally. hundred percent. Okay. So back to the spreadsheet that you were telling us about uh, where you yeah. have all your opportunities. Like I'm assuming step one is, well, set up the spreadsheet, but then step one is starting to find people or brands that you can collaborate with. Do you have a process for that? How do you go about finding those brands? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. So I used to do this through Instagram. Um, so when I was looking for people to collaborate with when it came to our events, I would literally look through hashtags. I would look through specific hashtags and then I would go to people's profiles that I knew would be connected to the type of people that I was wanting to connect with to see like who they were connected with. And so it was really this like web of like figuring out um, all of these people that I want want to connect with. And of course, when we are doing, we still do events, but when we were heavily into events, there were so many different things we were looking for. We were looking for a panel of speakers. We were looking for food. We were looking for a venue. We were looking for um, different vendors to have uh, decor, photography, all of these things. And so it was really like digging in and, and going through Instagram and figuring out like who is in our local city who we can connect with. And also Google, I would Google like photographers in, in Vancouver. And so that's where, you know, like SEO is really important and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so that all was when we were doing events. Now I don't so much rely on social media, although sometimes I will use Instagram to kind of search for different people that I want to collaborate with. 
but it's more so um, like, for example, if I'm wanting to connect with other podcasters like yourself, right? I would go to different platforms where I know different platforms or different podcasts would be featured. Or I would go to things like there's a website called Listen Notes. And that's where you can kind of find different podcasts in your industry and which ones are related to the others. And so it's a lot of it's a lot of research. It's a lot of Googling. It's a lot of like figuring out which platforms people are on and then figuring out like a lot of, for example, on iTunes or sorry, on Apple, you can see if you are following a podcast, you can see what other ones are related to that one. So it's a lot of that. So even Instagram has that too, right? When you start following someone, there's like those like-minded kind of people that pop up underneath. So often that's how I find different people, different businesses, or different platforms that I would love to collaborate with. And then, yeah, I put it all on my spreadsheet. I have their name there, their Instagram handle, the links to their website, uh, their email. And yeah, it's I actually love that part of it. I love the research part of it. It's really fun for me. A lot of people hate it, but I'm like, this is like one of my favorite parts. Like, I don't think I ever want to outsource this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. See, for me, that takes so much time. I like, I, I've tried doing it in the past and I just kind of give up because it's so time consuming. When we think about like bigger brands, collaborating with bigger brands, how do you go about finding the right person to pitch to? Because, you know, if you're pitching to a big company, you probably can't just DM them and pitch them in the Instagram DMs. So what's the process for finding that? Yes. Okay. So this is where, yeah, you definitely have to have your detective hat on. Um, so I would go to their website first. Sometimes people will have like a media email on their website. If they do, then definitely use that email. Some people have like contact forms on their website. I would say getting an email would be much more effective than just a contact form because I know for a lot of people, they get a lot of spam in their contact form. So they might not be checking it as regularly and you might not get to the right person there. But definitely fill out a contact form if, if that's the only way that you can kind of connect with them. And what I would usually do is say, I would love to connect with the person who's in charge of blank. So if it's collaborations and partnerships or if it's you know media opportunities or whatever, then specifically say that within your email or within the contact form and just say, hey, I was wondering who I could best speak to who is in charge of blank. So if you say that and you're super specific with it, often you will actually get forwarded on to the person that is either the head of that department or someone who works in that department at least. So um, right. Yeah. And then also on Instagram, sometimes I will just like DM people on Instagram and be like, Hey, who can I talk to who is in charge of blank, uh, uh, within, you know, this brand or whatever? And who would be the best person to talk to about a partnership opportunity or a collaboration opportunity? And then from there, sometimes the social media person who's managing that account will say like, oh, here's, they'll direct you somewhere. Um, so if they're not responding, then definitely go to their website. The other thing you can do is LinkedIn. I think that can be really powerful to figure out who the best person to talk to is. So I've done that a lot is look on LinkedIn and search the company. And often you'll see who is in charge of marketing or partnerships, whatever that is. And then you can directly connect with them. And often they'll have like their email on their profile as well. 
Yeah. And then like the actual pitch, when you're writing a pitch for the collaboration, how do you do it? Because I know there's such an art and a science to it. And it's something I don't feel like I've really mastered yet. But then sometimes when I see other people's pitches land in my inbox, I'm like, oh, that's great. Absolutely. I want to do that. So I'm really curious, like what's like the process or the structure that you put in when you're pitching somebody for that partnership? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I think, first of all, you want to grab their attention within the first, well, you want to grab their attention with the subject line first. Um, So that's really important. So figuring out what is the subject line that could grab that person's attention. And it should be more about them than it is about you. So if you, like I get a lot of pitches in our inbox and it's always first about them. So it's like this person can help you with this or like this is a person you need to connect with. And so that is really, you know, you want to make sure that you're putting them first and you're you are bringing value to them before you ever ask for something in return. So I would say subject line sometimes I'll use the person's name in the subject line as well or like if it's kind of more of a personal brand or um something to do with uh Something that you have. So for example, if you love their YouTube, then say like, I love your most recent YouTube video or something. And maybe that's the subject line. And then when you actually go into the email, you want to say like, Hey, I've actually been, I've been following or I've been watching your YouTubes. I've been listening to your podcast. I have been reading your blog posts or following you on social media. I really love this specific. And then whatever content that they've recently put out that really caught your attention. So, and be genuine, like make sure you've actually done your research. That's where it comes in, right? You can always tell when somebody hasn't listened to that podcast episode. You can tell when they're auto-generated. I often get pictures that are like, I loved your recent episode. And then in quotation marks, it has like the full name of the podcast episode. I'm like, you just scraped my RSS feed and copied that in. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Or it says like, hello. And then it's like your Instagram handle, like at your Instagram handle. And it's like, okay. Um, And so definitely, yeah, first bring value to them. And if there's a way that you can support them, for example, uh, saying like, hey, I subscribe to your YouTube. I left a couple comments on your, your most recent videos, or if it's a podcast, like leaving them a review is, you know, really valuable. And so you know, give them some sort of value first and then say, hey, I think that we could benefit each other's audiences or whatever the pitch is. Make sure you're really clear with it. Because I think what some people do because they are scared of the rejection piece is that they're really vague. So they're like, I would love to partner in some way or I would love to collaborate with you somehow. And it just sort of ends there. And then it's kind of like this oh, like, I don't know what this person wants from me. The person receiving it is automatically feeling anxious because they feel like, what does this person want? I don't know. So then they're not going to respond because they don't know what you're asking of them. And so it's very confusing. So be really clear and concise with your ask, uh, whatever you're asking. So, you know, if I were to pitch a, let's say I'm doing an event and I'm wanting to pitch someone to cater our event. And in in turn, I'm going to provide XYZ on my end. And this is the promotion. This is the marketing that we're providing on our end. I would lay that all out in the, in the email. And I would say, this is what we're asking of you. This is, you know, what we will provide on our end. 
this is the value of what we are going to provide on our end. We'd love to know if this would be something you'd be interested in. I would love to set up a call with you if you'd like to talk further and then, you know, end, end the email and don't make it too, too long, but also make sure you give them links to your website and, you know, social media for social proof, because often I'll get pitches too, where it's asking me of something and I don't know who that person is. I've never met that person. I don't know their social media. I don't know their website. I don't know anything about them. And so if they're asking me for something, I want to make sure that I can do my own research and make sure to know if that's a good fit or not. And so if you can create even like a one page media kit or something like that, where you can showcase your brand and, you know, the highlights of what you have to offer, that is, that's like going the next step. Um, that's going to add so much value and look very professional as well. So that's going to help. Oh, absolutely. And then once we have those partnerships, so like, let's say you've pitched them and they've said yes, and you're in the planning stages of it. How can we plan and actually execute that partnership in a way that is going to maximize the results from it? Yes. So First of all, I would make sure that whatever the collaboration is, that it's super clear and in writing. So it really depends on what the collaboration is. Some collaborations are super easy and they don't require a lot of like prep work. They don't require a lot of like strategy. Um, but you want to make sure again, you've done your research. So if you, you are going to, let's say, write a blog post for someone else's website, you want to make sure that you have done your research. And that what you are creating for them really fits with their community. There's nothing worse than like pitching a collaboration, being so excited about it. And then you go to actually execute on the collaboration. And all of a sudden, like, they, like for example, if someone were to do that to me, and then all of a sudden they write a blog post and it's totally to the wrong audience. And it's very like corporate. It's very like career driven, which is like we're a business entrepreneurship community. You know, there's nothing worse than that because you're like, really, like you just pitched this whole thing, but you have no idea actually what my community is about. And so making sure you've done your research on the other person, on their community, on what they would consider valuable. And so that is one thing. And then the next thing is like, how can you make the most of that partnership? So when it goes live, what if it's on their platform, make sure you're promoting it on yours too. And you are actually you know, giving them promotion in return, right? So collaborations go both ways and they should be really mutually beneficial on both sides. And don't be afraid to give more value than you're receiving because that is always going to come back in some form. And I just, I just always think like just being a good human and being like having that abundance mindset, it always just pays off in the long run. And so that's what I would say. And then also, again, like we talked about before, having those boundaries in place as well. This is just for a simple, you know, collaboration. When we get into partnerships, that's a, like a whole other ballgame, um, especially if you're doing something with someone like, for example, if you're hosting an event together, um, have contracts in place, right? Set out the, the expectations and responsibilities on both sides, Make sure you have those boundaries, all of those things. Make sure you have clear communication on both sides. Uh, 
there's so many things like when it comes to like longer term partnerships. But if it's just a simple collaboration, then I would say just those, those things like making sure you've done your research, um, promoting it when it comes out, whatever that is. Uh, and making sure that you're doing everything on your side to make that collaboration a success. And then follow up is important too. So for example, if they have agreed to something and you know, you're waiting, you're waiting and it's not happening, just have that follow up. And again, being pleasantly persistent, I think is always good. <laughs> I think like what it really all comes down to is just being a really good human and somebody who's really easy to do business with. Yeah, because once, yeah, like as long as everyone's on board with those expectations, then ideally everyone's going to be happy with the outcome or everybody's going to be happy with how it goes, uh, which, yeah, that's probably, I think, what scares a lot of people off from doing those partnerships is like, oh, what if, you know, I let them down or they let me down? Yeah. So having those expectations is super, super, super important. Danielle, this has been a wonderful chat. Uh, you've kind of inspired me now. I'm starting to think in the back of my mind, I'm like, who can I partner with? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and I think too, like anyone who's listening, if you're feeling like you need to be at a certain place before you pitch these partnerships, I would say like, what, like truly actually ask yourself, like, what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. Because often it's just that fear. It's, I think we can make so many excuses. Like I'm not ready or... I've never done partnerships before. I've never collaborated. So I'm just going to wait until I have some collaborations under my belt before I pitch these things. And what I would have to say to that is just, you know, it's never going to get easier and it's never going to get less scary. (laughs) And I know that might sound like counterintuitive on, you know, trying to inspire you to do it, but really like you're going to feel that fear no matter what. And so I would say, just go for it. And sometimes you're going to feel like you're taking a shot in the dark, but sometimes those things actually end up happening and people say yes. And then you're like, oh my goodness, like I can't believe that I almost didn't send this email or I can't believe I almost, you know, held myself back from pitching this because it can change the trajectory of your business. Like really, and and not one collaboration is going to make or break your business, but it could change the trajectory. And like you said, like that one opportunity that you got to speak turned into something else, which probably triggered another opportunity, which if you never know where those connections and those partnerships can lead you. So just, just go for it because you're, you're going to get no's, you're going to fail, but the more that you do it or the, the sooner that you do it, the more you're going to get comfortable with it. And then, you know, two years from now, you're going to be like, oh, this is a piece of cake. I've done this hundreds of times now. And, you know, it's still, it still gives you butterflies, but it's, you know, it's, you've done it so many times that you have built that confidence. And the only way you're going to build more confidence is just to do it more. I love that. Where can our listeners connect with you, Danielle? If they want to learn more about you and your community, where can they find you and your podcast as well? Yeah. Thank you, Steph. So you can find me at Business Babes Collective. That is our podcast. And also businessbabescollective.com is our uh, website. And then if you want to connect with me personally on Instagram, my personal Instagram is Danny Living Life, Danny with an I, and our business account is Business Babes Co. And we will link to all of those in the show notes. 
Thank you so much, Danielle. I'm so appreciative of your time and you sharing all of this knowledge with you on something that I really struggle with and that I am so not qualified to teach my audience on. So I really appreciate this. Oh, you're so amazing, Steph. And your podcast is amazing. And I'm just so grateful for everything you've done. And I'm learning so much from you. So thank you for everything that you do in the community that you've built. Appreciate it. 